I want to continue our sermon series this morning, St. Luke's on Broadway. While we look at the truth of Scripture through the lens of a Broadway musical. And this week we're looking at the musical Shrek. It was William Stieg who was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. When he was 23 years old in 1930, he went to work for the New Yorker magazine. And this is in the midst of the Great Depression. And he managed to find work because he was a very talented artist and illustrator. And he began drawing cartoons and, and different things like that for, for the New Yorker magazine. He would actually do it for almost 50 years. He had a very distinguished career. But when William was 61 years old in 1968, a friend came to him and said, you know, you really are a, a, a great artist. You can illustrate things. You're very imaginative and creative. Why have you ever thought about writing children's books? And William Stieg said, no, I, I really haven't. I've never thought about that. But he decided to try. And so he started writing and he wrote one great book and then a second one and then a third. And he kicked off a career, now this later in life, of writing children's books. When he was 83 years old in 1990, he decided to write a book about a big, green, ugly, smelly ogre. He called the ogre Shrek. And it came out, and this book in 1990 was a huge success. It really captured people's imagination. It was John Williams, who was a movie producer, who saw that his kids had some sort of new, new book that they were really enjoying, and he picked it up and found this 28-page illustrated book called Shrek. He thought it was great. So he took it to Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg loved it, and he wound up buying the rights to Shrek, intending to make it into an animated movie. But it was Steven Spielberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg who had gotten together and created a new company called DreamWorks. And it was John Williams who convinced Steven Spielberg, let's give DreamWorks this story of Shrek and let them develop the storyline. And so that's what happened. 1995, Jeffrey Katzenberg was in charge of the project. John Williams wound up being the producer, and they began working on developing the story of Shrek. It would take them six years before it hit the big screen in 2001. They had a wonderful cast. Mike Myers played the voice of Shrek. Eddie Murphy played the voice of Donkey. Cameron Diaz played the voice of Princess Fiona. John Lithgow played the voice of Lord Farquaad. Now, we looked at John Lithgow last week. You remember when we were looking at Footloose, he played the part of Reverend Shaw Moore. Well, this week we're seeing John Lithgow again in the part of Lord Farquaad. Now, the fascinating thing is, when you talk to him, he said he didn't think he'd ever been a part of a bigger movie and one that he enjoyed more than Shrek. And he said, the funny thing is, nobody ever saw me. No, it was a great movie. In case you did not see it or do not remember, let me bring you back in on the story. It really is about a, 
big, green, ugly, smelly ogre named Shrek. He lives in a swamp all by himself, and he likes it just that way. And then one day, his swamp starts getting filled with fairy tale characters like Pinocchio or Three Little Pigs and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Rapunzel and all these fairy tale creatures, creatures start showing up in his swamp. And he isn't happy about it, but he finds out it's all because of Lord Farquhar. He is the Lord of Duloc, and he wants Duloc to be the perfect kingdom where everybody is acting right and they look the same and they all do the right things. And he doesn't want anybody who isn't perfect. He doesn't want those freaky fairy tale creatures. And so he cast them out of the kingdom and into the swamp. Well, Shrek didn't like this new guest being there. And he goes to Lord Farquaad and talk to him and say, I want you to move the fairy tale creatures. And Lord Farquaad says, I tell you what, I know a princess, Princess Fiona, who is being held in a castle high up in a tower, surrounded by a moat and protected by a fire-breathing dragon. If you rescue her and bring her back so that I can marry her, then I will move all the fairy tale creatures. And so it is that Shrek and his talking donkey head off to go save Princess Fiona. They do save Princess Fiona. It is a little bit of a shock for her. As you just heard in the song, the number being sung before us, she, she knew what was supposed to happen. She had read all the fairy tales. She knew that Prince Charming was supposed to show up and bright shining armor and a noble steed and she would be kissed and the spell would be broken and she is rescued. Instead, after a long wait, Shrek shows up, an ogre with a talking donkey. And that's how she gets rescued. And in the end, the talking donkey and the fire-breathing dragon actually become good friends. Well, they manage to start bringing Fiona back home. And when they have to stop for the night, she goes into a cave. She has to be alone because you see the curse that we did not know of until then is that when the sun goes down, she turns into an ogre. And in the morning when the sun comes back, she turns back into a beautiful princess. Well, Shrek has fallen in love with her, but he knows a beautiful princess like Fiona, she could never be in love with someone like me. And so they take her to meet Lord Farquhar. He is anxious to have a wedding. And finally, Shrek decides he has to confess his love. And he breaks in on the wedding and he kisses Fiona. And when he does, he breaks the spell and she turns into an ogre. You see, the evil spell was that during the day she would have to be this beautiful princess. And when the spell is broken, she turns back into herself, an ogre. And now Lord Farquhar, he doesn't want these two imperfect people in his kingdom, and he orders them to be killed. And so the fire-breathing dragon eats the king. And Shrek and Fiona, they can get to go back to the swamp and live happily ever after. Now, that may sound like a strange story to you, but I assure you that if you watch the movie, it's incredibly well done. There's so much humor, and there's so much symbolism and such important messages in that movie. For the movie really is all about 
helping us to face the issue of what does it mean to accept yourself the way you are? It helps wrestle with the issue that beauty isn't about being pretty. It confronts the issue that Lord Farquhar wants everybody to be perfect in the kingdom, and yet that's not what he gets. What we discover is that there is room for everyone in the kingdom. All the freaky fairy tale creatures, they are welcome in the kingdom, and it's now a kingdom of love and mercy. Let me tell you, that's a message that resonates with people's hearts. Who doesn't struggle with, am I acceptable? Do I belong? Am I worthy? Am I cast out from the kingdom? When I started working with Shrek, I immediately thought of our scripture passage this morning. Because I believe that these few verses really gives us a glimpse of what Jesus' ministry is all about. He has come to seek and to save the lost, to help us be reconciled, to reestablish our relationship with God and with one another. And so it says He comes to Capernaum, and He comes into a house and He sits down at table, and here come the sinners and tax collectors to eat with Him. And when the Pharisees see it, well, the Pharisees are the perfect people. They're the people who are working hard to follow the law. They make their sacrifices. They are the righteous. They see what's going on and they say to the disciples, why is Jesus eating with people like this? And Jesus says, I have come to, not for those who are well, but for those who are sick. I learn what it means when I say I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I'm not looking for those who are all perfect. I'm looking for those who feel cast aside and not worthy and not good enough. And they all are sitting there at table. There is room for all at the table in God's kingdom. What a great visual that we have. What's this about? That all of us who feel inadequate, not good enough, ashamed. There's a message of grace, mercy, forgiveness and God's grace that says we can come to the table in God's kingdom the way we are. That is a message that resonated. When this movie came out, well, they'd spent 60 million making the movie, 60 million and they broke ground on a new animation, computer-generated, full-length feature. And it would win an Academy Award for Best Full-Length Animated Feature. And in the end, it would make I mean $485 million, almost a half a billion dollars on a $60 million investment. That's a good return on your money. And needless to say, because it touched a nerve around the world, immediately that called for a sequel. And three years later, there was Shrek 2. And Shrek 2, well, they really upped the budget from $60 million to $150 million. And when it hit the theaters, well, it generated 
and 85 million in income. Just shy of one billion. In three years' time, this message of Shrek had sold more than a million four hundred thousand dollars in movie tickets. Why? It is because of that message that everybody is struggling with. Am I acceptable? Am I good enough? Do I belong to the kingdom? Or am I cast aside? Well, Shrek 2 led to Shrek 3 and Shrek 4 forever. And then, of course, it led to Shrek the musical. It was in 2008 that the musical Shrek opened on Broadway. It garnered eight Tony nominations. It played for more than 400 performances. And it was interesting, when they opened on Broadway, they had made a commitment. They said, we don't want you to take the movie and put it on stage. We want you to put it on stage, but develop the characters in a deeper way than we could do in the movie. Through song and through the dialogue, create, create a greater understanding about really what's going on with all the people. And so that's what they did. You learn a lot more about Shrek and why is he in the swamp. You learn a lot more about Fiona and how does she feel about being in that tower for so long. And, and you learn about all the fairy tale characters and the struggles that are happening. So what I want to do this morning is I, I want to look at those three songs, look at these three scenes, because I believe it is in these three scenes from this Broadway musical that you and I begin to see the truth of our scripture. First of all, there is the scene with the freaky fairy tale creatures. They have been cast out of the kingdom because they aren't perfect. I mean, they're Pinocchio, and they're the three pigs, and they're the wicked witch, and all these different kinds of characters, and they feel so bad about themselves, and they are struggling, talking with one another. Can we really be community? Are we good enough to be accepted? You heard the words of the song. Just You're going to hear this song right after the sermon this morning and the words. Listen up, puppet. We spend our whole lives wishing we weren't so freaking strange. They make us feel the pain. But it's they who need to change the way they think. That is, it's time to stop the hiding. It's time to stand up tall. Say, Hey, world, I'm different, and here I am, splinters and all. So let your freak flag fly. Let your freak flag fly. They begin to struggle. What does it mean to say, maybe we really are okay? You know, I told you Mike Myers plays the voice of Shrek, but that's not how they originally started. They originally started with Chris Farley playing the role of Shrek. Now, some of you will recognize the name Chris Farley. Chris Farley made his name on Saturday Night Live. Back starting in 1990, he was a part of the original cast, SNL, Saturday Night Live. He was a, a young man, a stand-up comedian. And Chris Farley was a large guy, though he wasn't really that tall, but he was a large man. He was overweight. He called himself fatty boy. Well, there was a, uh, a skit on Saturday Night Live. 
that really brought him his fame and established him as a regular and gave him his career. It was a scene with Patrick Swayze. And they were two men who were going to be trying out for the Chippendale Dancers, the review. And there was going to be a panel of judges to decide who should get it. And Patrick Swayze, you may remember, is this very handsome man, and he certainly knows how to dance. What people didn't know was Chris Farley knew how to dance too. Chris Farley had taken ballet lessons. He knew all the moves. And so they have this scene where they come in to audition and they both rip off their shirts and they start dancing and anything that Patrick Swayze did, Chris Farley could do. People were blown away by his dancing ability. Of course, when you come to the end, the judges are going to choose Patrick Swayze because he's such a great looking guy. And it was hysterical. Everyone laughed at Chris Farley. And he started then from then on with humor that was self-deprecating. He was always the fat guy. And he'd play himself being clumsy, slapping himself for saying something dumb, pulling his hair, making a mistake, falling on a table, falling over chairs. He would do all these different things, anything to get a laugh. But it was obvious that Chris Farley, if you knew him, was really struggling with his self-esteem. Do I belong? Fascinating thing is, I didn't realize until I did this research that Chris Farley was a, was a man of faith. He was a good Catholic. He went to Mass. It turned out that he would go and work in the, the soup kitchen at Catholic Charities. He heard about a young man in a, um, a children's hospital who, who was really ill but he loved Saturday Night Live and his favorite character was Chris Farley. And so he went to the hospital in order to perform for this young man, to try to lift his spirit. And then other kids came and, no, he's someone who did good for people. But he was struggling with his own sense of faith and his own struggle with self-esteem. How do I get a laugh? Will I always be invited back? Will I continue to have a job? It was all these struggles. And how do you deaden the pain, the insecurities? Well, in the end, he started taking drugs. And he began a real downward slide. And he began eating even more. And finally, in 1995, he was fired from SNL. And that was about the time that he got hired by DreamWorks to play the voice of Shrek. And he would start recording Shrek, this person who is a big, green ugly, smelly ogre. And then in 1997, Chris Farley took some heroin and cocaine and he overdosed and he died at 33 years old before they had finished filming Shrek, doing the voices. And so they had to turn to Mike Myers and they had to start over all again. That's why it took six years. They had to start over again and do all the inflections with everybody else. And he created Shrek with this Scottish accent. It's interesting that right before he died, Chris Farley was doing a voiceover for Shrek. And one of the lines he had was Shrek saying, People see me and they go, Help! A big, stinky, smelly, ugly ogre. I'm so scared, they judge me. 
before they even know me. It was the quote from Shrek, and it could have been from Chris Farley in his own pain, who couldn't make it. I think of how many people around the world, I think of you and me, how many times do we wonder, am I good enough to be accepted? Do I belong in the kingdom? Am I good enough to be loved? I see Jesus there in Capernaum with the people gathered around the table, the sinners and the tax collectors making the statement to all, there is room for you at the table in God's kingdom. Because of God's grace, you belong. Let your freak flag fly. Secondly, you know, the, the musical starts different than the movie. In the movie, you start with Shrek in the Swamp. In the, in the Broadway musical, well, you have the beginning where Shrek is seven years old and he's with his mother and father. We heard that number just a few moments ago. As Shrek comes to his parents and they're going to wind up telling him what has to happen. You delve into the understanding of Shrek's mind and what he's been told as a child. Listen, son, you're growing up so quickly, growing up bigger by the day. And although we want you here, the rules are very clear. Now you're seven, so it's time to go away. Your mama packed a sandwich for your trip. Your papa packed your boots in case of snow. You're going to make us proud. No backing up allowed. Just keep walking and you'll find somewhere to go. It's a big, bright, beautiful world with happiness all around. It's peaches and cream and every dream comes true. But not for you. It's a big, bright, beautiful world with possibilities everywhere and just around the bend there's a friend or two. But not for you. We're ugly, son which means that life is harder. People hate the things they cannot understand, and when they look at us, they tend to make a fuss, burn our houses down, and chase us off our land. I think of how many people have experienced that. We look different. People don't understand. It's what leads to so much prejudice in the world, so much judgment against one another. It's a big, bright, beautiful world. But do you believe it really is for you? You know, it's really interesting that this caricature of Shrek, we believe, was inspired by a man named Maurice Tillett. Now, DreamWorks has never confirmed or denied that that is the case. They've been asked this question many times, and most people in the movie industry believe, without a doubt, that it was Maurice Tillett who actually inspired the look of Shrek. Maurice Tillett was born in 1903 in St. Petersburg, Russia. His parents were French. And when he was born, he was such a beautiful baby. And he grew up as a wonderful child. He was smart, went to school, had beautiful blonde hair. His friends all called him the angel. He had this beautiful angelic look. He was known as the angel. But when he turned 20 years old, he began to notice that his hands started growing more and his feet started growing more and he felt his head growing and there was great pain. 
he went to the doctor and he was diagnosed with acromegaly. Acromegaly, you may remember, is a benign tumor on your pituitary that kicks in the growth hormone. And so your hands, your feet, your head, well, they continue to grow and the bones harden. And so Maurice Tillett's figure began to be disfigured, his appearance. And suddenly nobody wanted a lawyer that looked like Maurice Tillett. He went and joined the French Navy. He was in the Navy for five or six years, but this continued to grow and he continued to be so disfigured. He came back to Paris and, and there he met a man named um, Carl Pagello. Carl was a wrestler and he told Maurice, you would be a good wrestler. And so they studied professional wrestling in Paris for about two years. And then because of World War II coming on, they fled and came to America in 1940 and they landed in Chicago. And there Maurice Tillett became a professional wrestler. He became known as the French Angel. And they would bill him as the Freak of the Ring. He was so strong, they said he was unbeatable, and he was. He would win and win and win. He was so popular, everybody wanted to come see the freak of the ring, the French angel. In the end, he would have a heart attack and die at 51 years old because of complications from acromegaly. The people who knew him said that he was the most gentle and kind and loving person you could imagine. But not many people knew him. He certainly never got married. He was never a part of the in crowd. Didn't really have friends. If you go look at his face, it is amazing how much he looks just like Shrek. It's a big, bright, beautiful world out there. But it's not for you. Have you ever felt like it's not for you? This big, bright, beautiful world full of dreams? A big, bright, beautiful world of friends? But not for you. Again, it's what makes this scene in our scripture lesson so powerful. Because here you have the people who felt cast aside, shunned, told they're not good enough. And now they're sitting at table with Jesus. They are being given hope. Hope that those who have been shunned and cast aside as freaks, they have hope for life. Because there's a place at the table in God's kingdom. Because of God's grace, there is hope for a big, bright, beautiful world for you and for me. And so third, the last scene, again, we just heard the song a few moments ago. It's all about Princess Fiona and how Princess Fiona is up in a tower. She was put up into this tower in this castle, surrounded by a moat and a fire-breathing dragon because she had had a curse placed on her. And so she is in there waiting for Prince Charming to come. 
Now, what we're able to see in the musical is how this goes on so long and the struggles in Fiona. How do you keep believing in the fairy tale? Because that's what you started hearing if you go back and listen to the song. In the fairy tale, we're being told, you know, I know there's a Prince Charming who comes in shining armor with his noble steed. I've read Cinderella. I read um, Sleeping Beauty. I know all about Rapunzel. I know what all the fairy tales say. I know that there are rules to follow and there is a script that will be um, incurred. I love when they begin reading the very first time that um, Princess Fiona is up in the tower and she's an adolescent, a young girl. She's reading to her, her dolls, her stuffed animals. And she says, settle in girls, it's story time. There's a princess in a tower. Oh my gosh, that's just like me. I believe the storybooks I read by candlelight, my white knight and his steed will look just like these pictures. It won't be long now, I guarantee. Day number 23. I know it's today. I know it's today. And I love the way it transitions then into now a new Fiona who's an older teenager now and she's still in the tower and she's beginning to struggle. This is going on a long time. I don't know how I feel about this. And she says in the end it's day number 958. And then it goes into the next Fiona. And now she really is having a hard time with the long wait. Look, I've read the books. I know the fairy tales. I know the rules. I know what's going to happen. There's supposed to be this wonderful knight who's going to come, this wonderful prince, who's going to come and kiss me and rescue me and he'll have a noble steed. That's what makes this show so great because what shows up is Shrek and a talking donkey. It's not according to the fairy tale. It's not according to the rules. And yet finally he's come to rescue her. On day 8,423, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Maybe it's today. How often you and I know the rules. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what's supposed to happen. And then you keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to be happy for things to improve, for life to get better? 8,423. I think about Jesus in this scripture, and here he comes as the Messiah. There were rules. Everybody knew what the Messiah was supposed to do. There were rules. He comes. He builds an army. He overthrows the Roman government. He establishes a kingdom of Israel so all of us can be happy now. There are rules and it will happen. And they had been waiting centuries and still hadn't happened. And Jesus didn't come to follow the rules. No, what He came to talk about was God's grace that wasn't just for the righteous I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call the sinners. So that all people, those who feel like the freak fairy tale creatures, know that they have a place at God's table, that they have a future, and that all of us can have a new hope right now in our lives. We don't have to wait for Prince Charming to come rescue us. It is God's grace that helps us deal with the reality we have right now. And sometimes that's not an easy reality. Sometimes it's a hard reality. 
But it's God's grace that gives us hope. And the answer comes that you can live well even now. You know, it was Sutton Foster who was playing the role of Fiona on Broadway. And Sutton Foster, I don't know her personally, but all that I've read and seen, she seems like a really wonderful lady. I mean, she's very intelligent, incredibly talented. She's very pretty and sweet and kind. You know, she has such a resume. We've already looked at her in the past on St. Luke's on Broadway when she was in Little Women. We looked at her in Annie. No, she's been in Les Mis, which we'll look at next week. She's been in so many different shows. By the time she was in her early 30s, she has this incredible resume. She's won two Tony Awards for Best Actress. She's on Broadway. She is married to this handsome man. It looks like it's a fairy tale and a happy ending, happily ever after. And then she takes on the role of Princess Fiona, 2008. And what the world didn't know was her marriage was crumbling. They were struggling. And by the time she sang the last performance in 2010, she was embroiled in a very bitter divorce. She never imagined she would ever go through a divorce. There are rules. We know how life is supposed to play out. It didn't play out that way. She was so hurt. She guarded her heart. It took a number of years. Four years later before she opened her heart and would meet a Ted Griffith. They would fall in love. He was a screenwriter. They would get married. But now she was almost 40 years old. And she so had wanted to be a wife and a mother. And they decided it was time to get on with it. They needed to have a baby. But she didn't get pregnant. She didn't get pregnant. They decided to try in vitro fertilization. And they tried once and it failed. They tried second, it failed. Tried a third time, it failed. She said, you don't know the pressure for a woman when you're wanting to have a baby and it won't happen and you're pumped full of hormones. It was such a difficult time. She said, everything we did, we ran into a brick wall. And then a friend said, have you ever thought about adoption? And she said, I don't know why, but I'd never thought about adoption. She and her husband talked about it and they decided they would try it. And she said, the moment we started going down that road, Everything fell into place, and before they knew it, they were standing in a hospital waiting room waiting for their daughter, Emily, to be born. Emily now is almost four years old. And Sutton says, you know, Emily loves to sing, and she loves to read books, and she loves to swim, and she loves adventure. She loves everything I do. We have a ball together. I am so blessed by my daughter. And I want to read you her quote. She says, I was always trying to make sense of why it wasn't working. I always thought there had to be a reason. Now I realize Emily was so clearly meant to be our daughter. She was the reason. I didn't grow her in my belly, but I grew her in my heart. Sutton Foster knows a great joy in life now didn't come when she thought, and not the way she expected. There may have been the rules, but it came a different way. And I think that's the promise of God's grace. 
It may not come in the way that we expect, in the time we want, but the promise is, it is God's grace that moves in our lives. For all those people, the tax collectors and the sinners, those who have been discarded and marginalized, they were being given hope for a new day and new life because there was room for them at the table in the kingdom of God. And there's room for us. Don't be afraid to fly your freak flag. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.